Hello everyone, welcome to the Memorial Heights Baptist Church podcast. Here you'll find archived all of our previous messages dating back to late 2020. Today's message was given by Pastor DJ Ritchie on March 6th, 2022 during our Sunday morning service. We want to thank you for spending time listening today and encourage you to share these messages with a friend so they too might hear the Word of God. But for now, grab your Bible, open your ears, and let's get to it. Thank you, Elmer and Peggy. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for the promise of your presence. We thank you, God, that you have promised never to leave us or forsake us, to be with us always, even to the end of the age. God, that where we are gathered, God, though small in number, where we're gathered in your name as your body, that you are in the midst of us. And so, Father, we are gathered today as your temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we are completely dependent upon your Spirit to give us wisdom and understanding as we look to your word today and as we, God, uh, study our own hearts, that you would, God, search our hearts and show us, God, how we can worship and serve you more and more and more sincerely and more effectively. We love you, Father. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I've heard a lot of lies in my lifetime. More than I can count. But no one has lied to me more often or more effectively than the man in the mirror. Not the fake news media. Not politicians. Not telemarketers. No one has lied to me as often or as effectively as the man in the mirror. You see, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10 answers that. There's only one person that can truly know my heart. And it's not my wife or my son, although they know me very well. It's not even myself. Only God who searches my heart, the Lord who tries the reins of my heart. Do I buck Him when He nudges the reins in a direction I don't want to go? He tries my heart even to give every man according to His ways, according to the fruit of His doing. One of the greatest obstacles we face, if not the greatest obstacle as Christians, is self-deception. And so we are completely dependent on the Holy Spirit and our submission to Him to discern our own hearts for His leading and His direction. Last Sunday morning, we were in Ephesians chapter 5 and we looked 
specifically at spirit-filled praise. I want to share those verses with you again as we launch from Ephesians 5 into some other passages this morning. But Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.18 that we are not to be drunk with wine, be under the control or the influence of wine wherein is excess, but to be filled with, to be constantly yielded to the power and the control and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that is manifold, but he gives us a few examples here in verses 19 and following. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now we said last week, that praise is an expression of our worship. It's an exhortation or an invitation to worship. I don't always feel like worshiping God. But when I praise God, it is a way to encourage my own heart to get my heart focused on the greatness of God. But more than that, the God who is great. Not just His attributes, not just His works, but the One who did those works it's also evidence of why we worship but praise is not to exist in a vacuum it's not to exist for its own benefit we praise as an expression of worship worship is bowing down it's what the word in hebrew means it's what the word in greek means some of you are wondering if I can get down and get back up as fast as I did last week. Well, I did some work on Friday, and I'm afraid I won't get up as fast. So I'm not going to bow down again as an illustration this morning. To, to worship is to bow. And if we're truly bowing and humbling ourselves before the Lord, one of the effects of that is to lift Him up in, in praise. And if we are truly Spirit-filled in our praise, Paul says there's a few things in these verses that we are going to do as an evidence of that. Number one, we're going to gather corporately. We're going to have a desire to praise God together. Doesn't mean that we can't praise God by ourselves or that we shouldn't praise God by ourselves. Of course we should. But when I am truly Spirit-filled in my praise, there is something inside of me that wants to gather and wants to give God the sacrifice of corporate praise. Not just corporately, but as we'll touch again on this morning, sincerely, sincere praise, thankful praise, and submissive praise. Remember what Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4? God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So the way that we praise God must be in spirit and in truth. It must be spirit-filled, the Holy Spirit filling and controlling and guiding my human spirit. But it must be done as an evidence of that. It must be done in truth. The problem is the truth part. Because my heart is deceitful. It's deceptive. 
it lies to me. And there are many times when I think that I am praising God as Spirit-filled praise when the Spirit is not in it. There are many times when I think that I am worshiping God in Spirit-filled worship and the Spirit is not what I am full of. I'm full of something. I'm full of self. So last week we talked about Spirit-filled praise. Today we're going to talk about self-filled worship. And I want to expose some counterfeits today. Some of these are testimonial. Probably all of them, if I'm honest. There's t- there are times in my life when uh, all or almost all of these have been symptomatic of my self-filled worship. And then we're going to ask as we close some questions on how we can correct that. How we can make sure that the Praise and the worship that we are bringing this Sunday and every Sunday, and by the way, every day in between those Sundays, is sincere and is what He is worthy of. Next Sunday morning, we will be observing communion. And there is a great warning that Paul gives the church in 1 Corinthians that we are not to observe the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. Now, none of us are worthy in and of ourselves. We're only made worthy by Jesus Christ. When we recognize that we're not worthy, that we're a sinner, damned and bound for hell, but that because of God's great love for us, while we were yet sinners, He sent His Son Jesus Christ to die on the cross, to shed His blood as payment, substitutionary payment for our sin. Not for ours only, John says, 1 John 2, 2, but the sins of the whole world. He paid for the sin debt of all mankind as He shed His blood in payment offered to the Father. Ephesians chapter 5. He gave His life as an offering to the Father and the Father accepted that payment. How do I know that? Because three days later, He raised Christ from the dead. The evidence is He's alive. The debt is paid. And your debt is paid. But friend, you have to receive that payment. You have to accept the payment. It's been made for you. But Romans 10 says you must call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You must recognize your need for a Savior. The biblical term for that is repent. You must acknowledge your need for forgiveness and salvation and call upon Him. And His grace Received by faith. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. So we receive that gift. And we are made worthy. But then as we come to the Lord's table next week, we need to make sure that we come in a worthy manner. In a worthy manner as God's children. We need to make sure that our Worship and our praise is not offered in an unworthy manner. So how do we do that? Well, let's identify some counterfeits this morning. I'm going to give you, this is not an exhaustive list, but I'm going to give you some examples of self-filled worship. And I would challenge you today, as I am speaking, for you to do some speaking to the Holy Spirit if you're a child of God. 
and to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you through as we go through this list to see. Search me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me to show me if, if one or two or, or three of these is a problem in my life. Okay? So let's go through the list together. The first one we've already touched upon in the opposite way. We've talked about being sincere in our praise. So the first example of self-filled worship is insincere worship. Insincere worship. Paying lip service with our praise and our worship. Maybe because we do it out of habit. But not really coming to gather this morning truly seeking to hear from God, truly seeking to encounter God in God's Word, but just because it's what we do. I want to show you a passage of Scripture in Zechariah. I'll give you a second to find Zechariah. It's at the very end, almost the very end of the Old Testament. So if you can find Matthew, go left to Malachi, and then one more book to Zechariah. And I want to show you chapter 7 of Zechariah. While you're turning there, a passage in Isaiah chapter 29 that Jesus quoted from in the Gospels. Wherefore the Lord saith, For as much as this people draw near me with their mouth, and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. God said, that's a problem. Jesus said, that's a problem. Listen to this historical account and what God says about it in Zechariah chapter 7, verse 1. And it came to pass in the fourth year of King Darius that the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah in the fourth day of the nine month, even in, I'm not going to, Attempt when they had sent unto the house of God Sherezer and Rehem Malek and their men to pray before the Lord and to speak unto the priests which were in the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, saying, Here's the question they brought Should I weep in the fifth month, separating myself as I've done these so many years? I've got weeping before the Lord on the calendar. This is what I've been doing. We've got to keep doing this. this is, I'm, I'm going to show up and I'm going to cry before you, God, uh, before the Lord. Then came the word of the Lord of hosts unto me, saying, Speak unto all the people of the land and to the priests, saying, When ye fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, even though seventy years, did you at all fast unto me, even to me? All that fasting, all that praying, all that weeping, was it for me or was it for you? Was it for me or was it so you could have an emotional, some kind of spiritual experience? And when ye did eat and when ye did drink, did not ye eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Should ye not hear the words which the Lord hath cried by the former prophets when Jerusalem was inhabited and in prosperity and the cities thereof round about her when men inhabited the south and the plain? God is not impressed with insincere praise. He's not impressed with insincere tears, insincere worship. 
A.W. Tozer said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. If I'm not here to worship God today, why do you think heaven's going to be so exciting? You know what we're going to be doing in heaven? It's going to be intense worship. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be loud. It's going to be loud worship. It's going to be loud. We are going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord when we get to heaven. Now, I, I don't want to be insensitive. I, I know that some of you, you have uh, uh, an issue with here. It actually can hurt your ears. We're not, I'm not trying to inflict pain on you. I'm not saying that there's anything sacred about inflicting pain upon yourself. Okay? That's a separate issue. That's a health issue. That's not, we're, I'm talking about a heart issue here. I'm talking about a heart issue. Do we want to really praise? Do we want to really worship? Do we want to get excited about who God is? Do we really want to? Or do we just want the show, the excitement of the game? We jump up and down. We max our dial for our football team or for our favorite musician. But when it comes to the worship of God, are we insincere in our worship? Chuck Swindoll once wrote, in many parentheses most churches, there are programs and activities, but so little worship. There are songs and anthems and musicals, but so little worship. There are announcements and reading and prayers, but so little worship. Is our worship sincere? Number two willful worship willful worship now i actually considered putting this first because this is one of the first examples of worship given to us in the bible willful worship the worship of cain worshiping god not how he deserves to be worshiped not how he demands to be worshiped but how i want to worship what makes me feel good? What makes me feel righteous? That's how I want to worship. That was Cain's problem. Hebrews 11 says that the difference between Cain's and Abel's offering, yes, Abel brought a blood sacrifice, but the real issue was the heart issue. Abel made his off offering by faith. Faith in the sacrifice, the provision that God had, had given to them at that time. Now we know from the book of Hebrews and other places that those animal sacrifices, they were just shadows of the coming sacrifice of Jesus Christ. They were pictures in the Old Testament of what Jesus Christ was going to come and literally do, be the once for all Lamb of God's sacrifice for you and for me. But Abel's faith was not in himself. Abel's faith was in the provision that God had provided. He was in the Lord. And he then obediently gave the sacrifice that God demanded. Cain brought what was convenient. Cain brought what he wanted to bring to the Lord. And when God lovingly confronted Cain, Cain didn't say, you're right, God. I'm worshiping you the wrong way. I'm worshiping you the way that I want to worship. Cain said, oh, you want blood sacrifice? 
Is that what you want, God? I'll give you a blood sacrifice. And he murdered his own brother. Willful worship. Now, I certainly hope none of us have gone to such dramatic extremes. But you go to certain countries in the world today, their worship, their willful worship of their God, there are places in this world where it is not safe to worship God. Now, they, and you know what? Our brothers and sisters are still worshiping. I saw someone posted this. If it was you, I, I, I would uh, point it. You probably don't want to point it out anyways. But I pointed out if, I saw, if it was you that posted this. I, somebody I saw posted this, uh, I think, yesterday. Or that's, I saw it yesterday. We complain about, uh, you come to church, uh, we don't have coffee machines out there, okay? I don't want to get into that. But uh, nothing wrong with that, but we're, uh, I don't want the mess, okay? Um, <laughs> I'm a coffee snob. I drink. I have to have my special coffee. I drink it at home before I come. Um, we complain about there's n- they don't have coffee or they don't have my coffee or they, coffee's cold. There are Christians in Ukraine today, worshiping, in danger, giving God praise. Why are we complaining? Why are we complaining? It's too hot. It's too cold. Willful worship. I'm going to worship God my way. I'm going to worship God my way. David sinned, as you know. uh, And he was not a perfect man. And once when he sinned, God demanded a sacrifice from him to show his repentance. And uh, Ornan said, uh, hey, King David, God demanded this sacrifice from you here here's the provision that you can make this sacrifice for in first chronicles 21 24 king david said to ornan nay but i will buy it for the full price for i will not take that which is thine for the lord nor offer burnt offerings without cost i will not sacrifice to god that which costs me nothing i'm not just going to be it uh, uh, convenient in my worship. I'm going to give God what He deserves, and it's going to be a true sacrifice. Not willful in my worship, but submissive in my worship. Is your worship insincere? Is it willful? G. Campbell Morgan said, quote, Sacrilege is defined as taking something that belongs to God and using it profanely, but the worst kind of sacrilege is taking something and giving it to God when it means absolutely nothing to you. It means absolutely nothing to me. I'll give God the extra time I have at the end of the week. If I have any left, God, you can have it. If I have any money left, God, you can have it. If I, if I have any energy left and I'm bored, then I'll serve. Giving God what costs me nothing. Worshiping God what what makes me feel comfortable, what makes me feel affirmed. Insincere worship, willful worship. Here's the third thing. Divided worship. Divided worship, trying to serve two masters. It's been about a year since we studied the life of 
Elijah, the prophet, standing on Mount Baal or uh, on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. He says to the people, "Why do you halt? Why so long are you halted between two opinions? If God is God, serve Him. If Baal's God, serve Baal." And the people were silent. See, they they wanted to worship God and Baal. Jesus said, some of you want to worship God and mammon and money. Money's your other God. You want it both ways, but you can't serve two masters. You have to pick one. You have to pick one. The Ten Commandments. Begin, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now, that does not mean out of all your list of gods, I better be number one. That's not what it means. That means when you come to me in worship, I better not see any other gods in your heart. You better not bring any other gods before me in your heart that you're, that you, not, God, not God in mammon, not God in Baal, not God in whatever you have made your God. Divided worship is self-filled worship, not spirit-filled worship. The Old Testament is replete with Israel trying to have it both ways. That's not spirit-filled worship. You're going to have to pick. You're going to have to choose. Choose you this day, Joshua said to the people right before he died. Me and my house, we've made our decision. We're not serving the gods of of Egypt. We're not serving the gods of this land, the Canaanites. We're serving the one true God. So choose you this day who you will serve. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. By the way, Joshua, still serving the Lord. Still serving the Lord in heaven. Number four, corrupted worship. Oh, y'all ready for this? Corrupted worship. Worshiping the one true God, but using pagan means to do it. Graven images, icons, relics, pagan methods, praying like a pagan. Jesus said, when you pray, his disciples came to say, Lord, teach us to pray. When you pray, don't pray like the pagans. Don't take a phrase and a word and just repeat it over and over and over again just make it some kind of like mantra you know what happens when you do that after a few minutes about two and a half minutes i think it takes you enter into a semi-conscious state it's a form of self-hypnosis and self-help people try to get you to do that some of them not all of them But the tragic thing is there are quote-unquote evangelical leaders today who are telling you to pray that way. Contemplative prayers, breath prayers, sounds so mystical and wonderful, and it's exactly what Jesus said don't do. Don't do it. That's how pagans pray. Pagans try to enter into this state of euphoria. Oh, you're hearing spirits when you do that. Not the Holy Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. Corrupted worship, praying to grave. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. 
America is a land, as many lands, uh, full of idols. But those idols, for the most part, aren't Baal, Athena, Zeus. They're Mary, the saints. Drive around Cumberland. See how many people have an idol to someone they pray to other than God. And by the way, you're not supposed to have an idol of God that you pray to either. Corrupted worship. Two of the churches in Revelation, the seven churches of Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus rebuked for corrupted worship. Number five, close like unto it ritualized worship. Ritualized worship. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians chapter 2. Ritualized worship is, you say, well, it's not a pagan thing. Well, no, but it's, a, it's basing it on human tradition. Now, let me say, human tradition by itself is not a sin. We have a liturgy. We have a way that we do things here. Every church does. Paul commands us to do things decently and in order. So we have an order of service. We change it up a little bit once in a while. The problem is not having an order of service. The problem is not having a way that we like to do things. The problem is when that way that we like to do things becomes more important than the one we're worshiping. That's when it becomes a problem. When we start to say you're sinning if you don't. You're sinning if you don't. I uh, have had the privilege of serving at uh, a number of different churches. I pray that this is the last one that God, that God plants me in we'll, as the Lord leads, but uh, that's our prayer. I think the Lord's coming back soon, so I think that that's uh, not even going to be an issue. But one of the churches I served in, well, you've got to do this number of songs and, and half of them have to be hymns and half of them have to be praise and worship. And if you, if you mix, mix up that formula, ooh. You, uh, we sang one extra praise song and one less hymn this week. Are, I mean, are, are, are they not all singing to the same person? I mean, are we not here for him? We're not here for him? Ritualized worship, Colossians chapter 2, beware, verse 8, beware to the church, beware, lest any man spoil you, Christian, through philosophy, vain deceit after the tradition of man. Well, that's how we've always done it. Not wrong to do it that way, unless you think it's a sin not to, then it becomes a problem. After the rudiments of the world, not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's what we're here. He, he's who we're here to worship. He's what it's all about. Verse eighteen. Let no man beguile. Well, let, back up. Let's back up to uh, verse fourteen. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. Took it out of the way. Nailed it to the cross. This is why we don't 
bring sacrifices according to the law of Moses anymore because the law of Moses has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holiday, holy day or the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Now listen, if you want to observe Passover coming up, then absolutely go ahead and observe Passover. That is absolutely uh, a great teaching tool for the church, but it is not something that the church is under bondage to do. Now, I would like to uh, here maybe next year or the year after. I'm not going to put a, a date on because I don't I, who knows what next year is going to bring. Right. But I'd like for us as a church to observe a Passover Seder. There's so much that you can learn if you've never done that. I would encourage you. Uh, we're not going to be able to, to do it. I don't think this year as a church, but. I've, I've been able to be part of a couple Passover Seders. There is so much that you can learn about the gospel in the in the Passover. It's a, it's a tremendous thing, but we're not under we're not under obligation to do it. Don't let any man bring you under bondage that you have to do this, that you have to observe Sabbath a certain way. Sabbath was created for us. We weren't created for the Sabbath, Jesus said. Let no man beguile you. That, verse 17, these were shadows. These were shadows of things to come. You have the body. You have Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility, worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Be very wary of anybody who talks to angels. They're out there. Not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered knit together increases with the increase of God. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using after the commandment and doctrines of men, which things indeed have a show of wisdom. They have an appearance of wisdom. They look wise. It makes you look spiritual when you put some ash on your forehead and you go without coffee. And Paul says, it looks like you're being humble. It looks like you're being wise. It looks like you're neglecting your body but not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. It has no power to make you any more spiritual or to make you, you any more righteous. So why are you doing it? Why are you doing it? Tradition. Ritual is why people do it. And it makes them feel like they're spirit-filled, but it is self-filled worship. Number six. Performance based worship worshiping god as a stage on which to receive praise not an altar on which to offer our praise doing it to be seen by men jesus said you got your reward congratulations everybody clapped everybody told you how wonderful you did now this is especially true for those of us who are up here whether preaching leading in music but it applies to all of us wherever you're serving, where, wherever you're serving. If you're doing it for the applause, if you live for the applause, 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 live for the applause, applause, congratulations, you get, you get your applause. Jesus said you have your reward. But when you do things, you're supposed to do them for God and not for the praise that it brings you. 
And so the test is, when I get criticized and not praised, do I quit? Do I? I shouldn't, right? I shouldn't. If, if I start getting criticized and I, and I give up, then was I really doing it as an act of sacrifice or was I doing it as a way to get the attaboy? Performance-based worship. Number seven, self-righteous worship. This is closely connected to that. Celebrating ourselves, our achievements, our experiences instead of exalting our Savior. Seeking self-justification, seeking glory for ourselves. Jesus warned about wanting to be commended by men and thinking that that's somehow impressive to God. God knows your hearts. Galatians 1.10, you're either a man pleaser or a God pleaser. And so I either come here to worship God so that I can praise Him for what He has done for me or so that I can try to show off for Him, God, look how valuable I am to you. Aren't you glad to have me on your team, God? Look at all that I've done for you. Look at all that I've done for this church. Praise the Lord for, for sincere sacrifice and sincere service. But God knows your heart. God knows your heart. Self-righteous worship. Let no man judge you in meat or drink or in respect of any holy day. Shadows of things to come. Let no man beguile you of your reward in trying to pretend that you're humble and wise Self-righteous worship. Number eight, fruitless worship. Fruitless worship. Worship that produces no life change. Is my worship making me more and more submissive, more and more obedient? Or do I shed my tears and get my excitement and then Monday morning, I'm the same person I was as I was last Monday morning. I'm the same person as I was a year ago. I'm the same person as I was five years ago. And my worship, well, it must be the, must be the service. Maybe if, I, maybe if I find another church. Or maybe if we, you know, get somebody else to lead the worship, then I'll be able to worship better. I've been there. I'm guilty. I didn't like the songs tonight that that praise team sang. I've been there. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Fruitless worship. Let me quote Tozer again. If you do not worship God seven days a week, you do not worship Him one day a week. There is no such thing known in heaven as Sunday worship unless it is accompanied by Monday worship and Tuesday worship and so on. Unquote. God says it this way. By the way, we're going to, Lord willing, we'll be in Psalm 51 next week. I'll just give you a heads up. Here's what David wrote. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. David isn't saying God doesn't want the sacrifices because God commanded the sacrifices, but what he's saying is if 
those sacrifices aren't breaking your heart and really changing your heart, God's not impressed. Is my sacrifice, is my worship, is my praise producing life change? Because here's the promise of God, Galatians chapter 5, 16, a verse that changed my life. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, Paul says, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if I'm struggling with the sin and it has bondage over me, the, the issue is I'm not yielded to the Holy Spirit. Because God has promised me the power to break that chain. God's already broken the chain. He's promised me the power to take it off. But I have to walk. I have to be dependent on His power, His leading. So let me ask you a couple questions as we close today. I'm not going to unpack these. But remember what Jeremiah 17.10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I, the Lord, search the heart. So, Holy Spirit, help me to answer these questions sincerely. Number one, am I worshiping the Savior I know or just know about? I don't know your heart. Do you know? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? That there was a time and place when you came face to face with the reality of the man or the woman in the mirror, that they were a sinner who needed forgiveness and you truly called upon Jesus Christ, truly trusted in the Son of God as the only and the all-sufficient payment for sin and believe that Jesus Christ is risen again, died for your sin, rose again, offers you grace, offers you forgiveness and eternal life received only by faith. Do you know him or do you just know about him? Because Jesus, one of the scariest verses on all the Bible, Jesus said, many, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did all manner of wonderful things in your name. Jesus said, I never knew you. I never knew you. You knew about me, but you didn't know me. Don't leave here today before you know that you know that you're truly forgiven and truly saved. Number two, is my worship an expression of faith in Christ's works or my works? Am I here as a, as a child of God, as a Christian, am I here today going, he is awesome. I'm free. I don't deserve to be here, but he's forgiven me. I, I, fail, I fail all the time. But he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He disciplines me, yes, when I sin, but he's there with me. He loves me more than I love my own son who I would die for. He's already died for me. He's already shown me that. He loves me even more than I love my own son. Number three, is my worship and praise an act of sacrifice or am I going through the motions? We have to be a living sacrifice, guys. We have to get back on that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, based on all of the mercies of God and all that God has done for us, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. You've got to get back on that altar every day. And some of us, we fall off a couple times a day. We've got to get back on that altar all through the day. Sacrificing for God. Not just going through the motions. Not just showing up for church because that's what we do and and. I just want to make sure I'm okay on that judgment day because God's so impressed with my attendance. Number four, 
Is my worship focused more on the outward appearance or the inner authenticity of the heart? Now, as I already said, we, do, that we still have to do things decently and in order. We're not, we're not to do this chaotically. We're not to do it. We're, we're to give God our best. Okay? We do our best in everything that we do. I tell, I tell my son already, you don't have to be the best. You have to do your best. And you don't have to be the best in whatever area God has equipped you or called you to serve, but you have to, to bring your best. And that begins in the heart. Number five. As we close. As Karen comes, we're going to have a time of invitation. Here's the last question. Number five. Is my worship leading me to greater obedience to God's word and God's spirit? I want you to think about that as we stand together in prayer. Father, we, God, are so imperfect, so eager to be justified. But God, you search our hearts. And so God, search our hearts right now by your spirit. Search our hearts. Show us where we need to grow. Show us what needs to change. Show us what needs to be broken and, and healed. God, we want to give you the honor and praise, God, we're not perfect yet, but we want to do our best for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all for today. I hope this has made a positive impact in your relationship with Jesus. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you'd like to know how, give one of our pastors a call at 301 724 5876. We would love nothing more than to share the good news with you. If you've never joined us in person, we have services multiple times throughout the week that we would love to see you at. They are Sunday morning Bible study at 9.15 a.m., Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m., Sunday evening service at 6.30 p.m., and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. We also have opportunities for our students to gather. The youth group for grades 6 through 12 meets at 6 o'clock p.m. on Sundays, and our WANA program for 6th grade and under meets at 6.15 p.m. on Wednesdays. Again, we thank you for joining us today, and we hope to see you soon. But until next time, stay faithful.